Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Good morning. Man, I'll tell you what. It's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that y'all are here. Uh, turn, over, turn over and look at somebody close to you and just say, yeah, we got this. <laughs> It's like we need to have like some coffee in uh, in like can we get it on in, like, on IVs, you know? Just take it around so everybody get enough coffee. I, I, that's the thing about um, uh, daylight savings time in the fall. I love it. It's like the most incredible concept of all time. In the spring, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. I don't understand. I don't understand. Hey, welcome to our new sermon series called Pits and Piles. We have entered the season in the church called oh, who knows it? Anybody? Anybody know what it is? It's the stuff you find in the bottom of your pocket. Lent, right, not L-I-N-T, but L-E-N-T. It's a church season. And we call it um, uh, a penitential or repentant sort of church season where we're really called to kind of the the difficulties. And this sermon uh, series is all about kind of the difficult parts of our life and our walk and uh, and faith. So so we're going to be doing this one all the way up until Easter um, and then it'll all change then. But I invite you into this. It's good, some good scriptures, some good concepts, and some really hard stuff to deal with. So I'm glad we're going to talk about it. It means a lot to me that, um, that we would be willing and interested in talking about difficult things. Amen? Amen. Uh, I used to play lacrosse. Anybody play lacrosse when they were younger? Anybody else play lacrosse? No? It's just me? Wow! Not one? Nobody play lacrosse? Anybody? All right. Well, it's a, it's a sport. Okay? And, and, and it has a really, really dense rubber ball, and, a, and you have a stick, and you got to cradle the thing and run around. It's super fun. I played um, a baseball forever, and then and I guess about my ninth or tenth grade year, we had a new coach come in, and the coach was just like, all right, you can either grow your hair out or you can play baseball. And I was like, well, the ladies like my hair and my guitar playing, so I'm out. So I stopped playing baseball. That was it. I had played for years and years. I was kind of burnt out anyway. And then I went and just didn't play a sport for a couple years. But then as a senior, they decided to start a lacrosse team. I thought it'd be a lot of fun to play lacrosse because, you know, sports are awesome. Amen? I love playing sports. I was never really good at any of them. Actually, I had one season. One season where I got to be like an all-star and we won a championship trophy. And it was fantastic. And I hit some home runs. And I still remember that season when I was 10. I was never really great at sports, but I had a lot of fun playing them. And lacrosse was one that you didn't have to be really good at. You know what I mean? Like, basically, uh, they needed some guys that could run a lot. And those were like attack and what we call mid, uh, mid, midi. We call it midi. And then uh, there was us that were sort of on the other side. And basically, you just stand there with a, a six-foot um, uh, titanium shaft attached to a little plastic net. And when, when, the, when the little guys came down could run real fast, you smack them. That's, that's literally what you do. You would just, you just smack them. You try to knock the ball out. That's what you would do. And I was like, I, I, can, I can do that, right? No, no problem. And, and there's this thing that happens every once in a while when you're in defense that, um, that, the, that the goalie will just feel overwhelmed. Like there's something wrong. The play is out. We're out of, we're out of order. And he would yell clear. Now, when he yells clear, that means that you become a bulldozer with a giant thing you can hit people with. Right? So, so, so the goal then when he yells clear is that you just run through whoever's in front of you and you knock them on the ground to try to get the ball and get the ball out of there because the play is falling apart. Everybody got it so far? 
All right, so this is a very simple concept. I, was a, I wasn't like a big, huge guy, but I was bigger than most of the other kids because I was a senior and, uh, and I had had you know, lots of mashed potatoes. Anyway, and in this particular time, it was one of the first games we played, we were playing against NBA. Now, how many of you guys grew up where you had a school in town that they, I mean, like they had, I mean, like they just had some money. You know what I'm talking about? Like the kids were driving nicer cars than my parents. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, so, and, and, they, and, and there's a wonderful thing about having money that's, that's not a big deal. It's how you have a lot of money. All right, are you guys with me? And these were folks that, uh, we called them, MBA was Montgomery Bell. And we actually called them Mama's Boys Academy. <laughs> Couldn't stand them. And their varsity team was really good. Like their varsity team was great and they were playing another team in Chattanooga and they were always like a really, really good bunch of high school programs. So we, in our first year, decided not to play the varsity but to play the junior varsity, right? No big deal, we're just trying to learn, trying to get some games under our belts, trying to learn how to do this team stuff. And I remember it was at a time in my life where there was just a ton going on. As a senior, I was kind of like trying to finish all my grades, I had to get them up so I could get into college. Anyway, and I just had a lot going on. There were things that were happening. I think at that time that this was, um, this was like a rough patch in my relationship with my girlfriend at the time, who is my wife now, by the way, so it all worked out. Everybody just say, all right. Yep. But there's this little kid, and he was one of the attack players on NBA. And he came down, and every time he came down, he had something to say. You know what I'm talking about when you play? Now, I don't mind playing games against other people and getting beat. No problem. I can handle that. But if you start talking about how good you are and how not good I am and you start saying some stuff, I don't know what it is, but I just start to get fired up, man. And it was about maybe halfway through this game, and I'm kind of getting more and more ticked off. Every time the kid comes down, he's got something to say. He's pointing out something. He's like, get your stick up, man. Get your stick up. You don't know how to play this game, do you? He's a freshman, and he's little, right? I'm like, oh, say clear. Say clear. Just one time, say clear. So I'm down, trying to, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. He comes down, and I had played baseball, like I told you, right, for a long, long time. But I was just, I mean, like, my, my face was flush. I was feeling it. My hands were, like, shaking. I'm like, kid, you just come down here. Give me one. And I played baseball, right? Remember this. This is an important part of the story. Because when you play baseball, you do something different with a thing in your hand than you do like this with lacrosse stick. It's two hands together. Get it nice back like this. And then guess what happened? The young man came down into my portion of the field holding his little stick, doing a little cradle thing. And he was cradling the ball right up here like this. So like the cradle's like right here, right? So he's kind of doing this thing, and all of a sudden the play falls apart. And I can start to feel it. And I start taking some deep breaths. And I hear the words I've been waiting to hear. Clear! And I went in full swing, <laughs> Billy Madison style. And I totally missed the stick, and I completely hit him right in his ear hole and knocked him out cold. <laughs> so there he was, this little freshman kid, me, this giant senior, standing over him. And of course, at that moment, I walked up on top of him like this, too. I was making sure he was OK. <laughs> I just looked down at him, and he had drool coming out of his mouth, and his hand was quivering, OK? And I thought, I've killed a child. <laughs> And so, so then all of a sudden this ref comes in, blows a whistle, checking in on him, and I realize what's, what's now like about to happen, because I don't think you're supposed to do that 
to people in this game. And they told me, uh, you got two minutes penalty and you can come back out. I'm like, what? <laughs> I thought I was going to jail. <laughs> this, this is the greatest moment ever. But in that moment, something clicked, right? Like something clicked inside me. And I just, I, I seemed to kind of like lose control of everything that would have been the right thing, right? Like it just didn't make sense. Chemistry and, and neurons were going and firing off on all kinds of different places. And I, I could have seriously injured this kid. I mean, like, I was a bigger guy. I had a pretty good swing. Like, I was one of the guys that, like, had a lot of power but no direction. You know what I'm talking about? Man. Anger is messy, isn't it? Somebody say amen. Talk to me, church. It's frustrating. It's hard to control that sometimes. But something just clicked, and I had no control uh, over myself. See, here's the thing, though. I think sometimes anger gets a bit of a bad rap, though. Because it's just one of the many characteristics that God gave us, amen? I mean, think about that for a second. We fear this all the time. We think about anger or, or fear or some of these bad parts of our emotions, and we think, oh, we've got to absolutely avoid them at all costs. But the truth and reality is that God gave us those characteristics, made us with them. So we can't just dismiss it as a bad thing. But let's take a second and uh, let's look at some scripture together. We've got some scripture that tell us a little bit how we think about and talk about anger. This first one's from Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Let's read it together. One, two, three. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. All right. Let that sit for just a second. Hold on. Bring it back up if you would. Thanks, Mo. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit. All right. All right. For anger resides in the lap of fools. Let's read the second one from Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, each of you must go ahead together, must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Let's keep reading together. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Hmm. Be angry. Okay, okay. But don't let it lead you to sin. Sun go down on your anger. So be angry, but count to ten. Anybody count to ten? You might count to ten people? Some of y'all count to a hundred? <laughs> need, need a little extra time? We try, right? But we typically fail. But see, it's our human nature. It's our human nature. It's our call not to be quick to anger. Do you remember uh, the, the, the scripture where Jesus goes into the temple and they're doing all kinds of things that they're not supposed to be doing? You guys remember this? And it talks about Jesus overthrowing tables and driving everybody out with the whip. We talked about this a number of months ago. Do you remember what he did right before he started driving everybody out? He walked in and it said that he braided a whip, right? So think about this. Logistically, he didn't just walk in pick up the whip and start rolling. He walked in, he picked up the cords, and he started braiding the whip. Counting. Slowing it down just a little bit. Making sure that he knew what he was about to do and how he was going to go about it. See, our calling is to not be quick to anger. Not let the sun go down on our anger. Not let our anger lead us to sin, but it's okay to be angry. We try, right? We try to count. We try to give ourselves time. We try to, try to braid that whip. But where, where are my friends that maybe, maybe we go a little bit too fast, too quick? Somebody say amen. 
Come on, church. I know it. I know it. It's human nature. Sin is normal. That brokenness comes to us naturally, right? Sin is this, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's talk about what sin is for just a second. Anybody, can you give me a definition of sin? This would be helpful. Do not let your anger lead you to sin. Anybody? How about anything that would draw us away from the love, grace, and mercy of God? All right? Anything that might make us objectify someone else. Everybody got that? Something where you, where you realize that you are no longer two people in the body of Christ, but you're just me and that dude objectifying somebody else. All right, let's read one more scripture. This is from Mark. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, now see, Jesus just does this. <laughs> it had to be more people there that had things going on, but these guys were watching, looking, waiting. And Jesus knew. He said, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around them in anger. You see that? And deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. And the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. That's a big deal right there, that last verse. Because the Herodians... And the Pharisees were not necessarily partners. Hmm. See, this is real. Their anger is full of venom, waiting, trying to trap Jesus, hoping that they can get that guy to do the wrong thing. But Jesus' anger is transformed into passion, and it brings healing and restoration. See, this is real. We are going to get angry, but it's how but it's how it affects us that's important. These folks quickly objectify the man, don't they? they they're waiting for him. He was just bait. Our anger can't lead us to objectify others. Everybody with me still? So easy to do this. Internet's famous for this. Have you guys ever said anything over text or over the internet that you probably wouldn't say in real life to somebody? Go ahead. Let me see those hands. Come on, it's Lent. We gotta be. We gotta. We gotta. We gotta own it. Where you at? Let me see those hands. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or, or maybe when you're driving, are you the one that when you're driving and somebody does something really crazy, do you say something out loud? Ashley's back. Got two hands up. <laughs> that was really the easy one, wasn't it? If you feel that objectifying happen, if you feel that start to happen in your life, stop, breathe, and count. I bet you thought I was going to say this whole sermon that uh, the anger was bad, right? That's what you were thinking. He's going to talk about anger today. He's going to talk about how bad it was. What an awful decision he made knocking that poor little kid out. Listen, it was a great decision. (laughs) (laughs) Anger and passion are God-given gifts. But like all gifts, our call is to use them for good, not for knocking out young children. (laughs) Passion can be used for good, 
passion can be used for good. Jesus can take our anger and restore it to passion. Jesus meets us down, so we get in that place, and we start getting more and more angry. We kind of digging down. We start digging down in that pit, and when we get all the way down in that pit, it's like a kid at the store that can't see over the counter. You know what I'm talking about? And you can't see is what you want. You can't reach what you want to reach when you're down in the middle of that pit. But on top, where Jesus pulls us back up out of that pit, we can see so much further. Our vision restored. Because sometimes, brothers and sisters, anger is needed. God wouldn't have given it to us if it didn't serve a purpose for the kingdom. Sometimes anger is needed where there's injustice or oppression or misuse of power. That should spark our anger. But if we let ourselves stay down in the pit, then we can't see at all. But if we let Jesus restore us, Jesus brings us new vision in life. Everybody's really good at that, right? In that moment, everybody really good at that? Right in the middle of that frustration, stopping and saying, Lord Jesus, restore my anger to passion, please. The gospel shows us how, right? Based on his feeling of anger, Jesus heals and restores. He doesn't get into a battle with these Pharisees. He doesn't start yelling them. He doesn't punch them. He doesn't bring the mighty angels to just waylay them, right? It's a whole different thing. And then they want to kill him. So all this does, this is only chapter 3, by the way, all right? This is only chapter 3 in the story. And they are already ready to kill him for healing somebody on the Sabbath. Truth time. The healing, grace, and mercy. The work of Jesus. Listen to this, church isn't going to always spark joy in others. That's a hard thing for us as a church. Even when we do get it right, even when we do make the right decisions, even when we do count, hold up, hold a second, Jesus, restore my anger to passion. That's a hymn I wrote, right? Oh, Lord, take me slower. Give me what I need, Lord, even when we do that. At the best of our abilities, sometimes it doesn't even spark joy. Be ready to be met with fury when you're working for the gospel. Amen? Mm. So I've gotten into, uh, well, actually, my son's gotten into climbing. Anybody rock climb? Anybody like to rock climb? I, I think it's a lot of fun. I look kind of funny when I rock climb because, you know, I'm top heavy, but whatever. It's a lot of fun to go rock climbing. So we started rock climbing a little bit. I've been going with Gabe, my son, and he's, he's pretty good at it. I mean, he's kind of figuring it out. I'm still kind of getting back into my old ways, but, like, some of the things are pretty cool because he was impressed that I was able to get up to this really tall place, but it's only because, like, I, like I have a, a muscle mass, right, that can do that. Like, he's got the technique, and I've got to learn both of those things and put them together. Also lose, like, 50 pounds. Leave me alone. And while I was there, I went to the restroom. And in the restroom, there's a picture of El Capitan. Anybody heard of El Capitan, right, in Yosemite? It's like 3,000 feet straight up. And there was this guy that just, I just heard this this week. It's what connected with me. There's this guy that did what's called free solo El Capitan. Anybody know what that means? It means no ropes. No ropes, 3,000 feet straight up the face of a cliff. And he did it in under four hours. There's this amazing TED Talk. There's a great movie out about it. I encourage you to check it out. I think it won some awards, yes? Yeah, an amazing, amazing story. He's able to climb it, though, and it says that he barely needed just a teeny little bit of a foothold, and he was able to technically climb this thing. And I'm looking at stuff he's got, and it's barely, it's like just the smallest little jut out of the rock, and he's able to use his foot, what's called a, a friction technique, right, to push up against that rock, and he's climbing up the face of this cliff. Now, think about this. 
one mistake, what happens? He did. <laughs> but this one teeny little foothold, one teeny little foothold is all he needs to make his move. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Scripture reminds us the devil only needs that much. I don't know about y'all, but I, I tend to give the devil this much. I build the devil's stairs. Mm. I was a resident assistant in college. Uh, anybody uh, was in college, hated their resident assistant? I was the nice one, okay? I had a rule with everybody that, uh, that was pretty simple. Uh, it was like, I really didn't care what you did. Um, just don't be an idiot. That was my rule. Like, I would get them all together, and I would say, you can do whatever you're going to do. This is college. I understand. Just don't be what? An idiot. Right. I thought that was a really... As a matter of fact, that's our new church motto. <laughs> I was leaving for vacation. I was ready to get out. It was a tough, it was a tough week. I was um, ready to go on vacation. And, um, and I, loved, I loved being a resident assistant, mainly because I kind of got to do pastoral ministry before pastoral ministry. Before I knew I wanted to be a pastor, that was a time when I got to just life on life with folks. And it was, it was awesome in so many ways. It was hard work in a lot of ways, too, because we went through some really difficult stuff. And seeing what people are going through just always was difficult. And it had been one of those weeks where we had had a ton of things happen with some of the guys. And they were going through some really tough stuff. And I just, I needed to get out of town. You know what I mean? It had been a hard week. I got it all finished, all the work that I was supposed to do for school, and I was ready to bolt. And I was taken off. I was getting ready to leave. And the residence hall director, who I did not like because he was not my favorite kind of person, and that kind of person was a micromanager that told me everything that I was supposed to do. I'm like, man, just let me do my job. I'm going to move on before I get too upset about that. Anyway, so I'm leaving, and, uh, and I said, oh, I'll see you later. I'm going on vacation. He goes, no, you're not. Um, all right, so first of all, I, I'm going to let you know that's not the way to work with me. So I immediately kind of bowed up. What? Yep, you didn't redo your bulletin board. My bulletin board? Yep, you got to redo your bulletin board so when then everybody comes back from vacation, there's a new bulletin board. You can't leave till you do that. All right, first of all, I hate bulletin boards. If you know anything about me, you know that's like probably my least favorite thing to do, is to cut letters out of paper and come up with a cute little design on, that, that guys aren't even going to pay attention to anyway, but I have to do it before I leave town. And there was, in my stupid stapler, my stupid stapler, every time I would go to put a thing in, it wouldn't go in, like, and, and, the, and the thing kept jamming, and it was driving me crazy, and it had already been a tough week, and the guy was already being a real stinker to me, and I was so nice to the guys, and they were having a good college experience, like, what else do you want from me? Oh, I want a bulletin board. I don't care about your bulletin board. I'm slamming staples into this thing. I'm trying to get it going, and all of a sudden, the thing jams, like, jams, jams. And that stapler stuck right on the end. In the midst of my frustration, in the midst of my anger, I made a terrible decision, and I grabbed the stapler with my tooth, and I yanked it out like that. All of a sudden, I noticed there was a part of my tooth missing. I chipped a giant triangle out of the, out of the front of my middle tooth, middle of my front tooth. <laughs> my tooth. That was actually the death of a stapler. That moment was strewn about the ground. <laughs> How many of you have been there? Or you make a terrible decision in the midst of that frustration, in the midst of that anger. See, here's the thing. This time of the church year, this Lent, is a time of reflection. 
It's a time of realizing that even with the best intentions, even with the best practice, this is a heavy load to bear, guys. So, Pastor, in our most frustrated and least sensible moment, we're somehow supposed to keep it together? That's what you're telling me? That's what this sermon's about? It's impossible. How many of you have broken a stapler or whatever in your fit of frustration? How many of you have objectified somebody at some point in your life? Raise your hands and keep them up. It's all of us. This is what this time of year is for. This is what this season of Lent is all about. It's seeing that we can't. It's realizing that we can't. Noticing how down in the pit we already are. Acknowledging that we aren't strong enough. The good news is Jesus is. Jesus is strong enough. We aren't strong enough, but Jesus is. We aren't good enough, but Jesus is. We aren't patient enough, but Jesus is. We aren't peace-filled enough, but Jesus is. We aren't generous enough, but Jesus is. We aren't gentle enough, but Jesus is. So we come to the table here at communion, which is central to us, both literally and figuratively, right? This is where we center our lives around. That's why it's smack dab in the middle of us, so that as we look at one another, we can't help but look right across the body and the blood of Jesus to see one another because that's the only way this whole thing works. We aren't strong enough. We aren't going to make the best decisions. We aren't good enough to handle this, but Jesus is. And so Jesus meets us here with forgiveness for screwing up and a promise to be patient and dwell within us for healing and restoration. Jesus, brothers and sisters, dwells in you, meets you in that pit. So bring your anger to Jesus. Bring your frustration to Jesus. Bring your brokenness to Jesus. Bring your foul words and frustrations and prayer to the living God because God can handle it. Jesus can take your pain, your frustration. This Lent, remember that you are not, you are not enough to handle this. But Jesus will, because Jesus is. Pray with me if you would. God, we thank you for being enough. Especially in those moments where we just can't keep it together. And for so many of us, God, there are things in life that have been building up and building up and building up. And we turn away from our passion and our energy that's for good, for healing, for restoration. And we throw it out the window in fits of anger, rage. But Lord, you call us to be angry, especially in the face of injustice and oppression especially in the places where we see misuse of power. Turn our anger, God, into passion. Fix our eyes on you. Because as much as we try, we can't. 
we aren't. But you are. And you dwell within us. So we breathe you in deep. And we bring forth words that come from you. We give you thanks, O oh God, for meeting us in the pit and placing us back up on top of the pile so that we can see, so that we can have our withered hearts restored. We give you thanks, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.